very qualities we render impossible. We laugh at honor, integrity, and truth, and are shocked when we find traitors in our midst. We remove the organ and demand the function. We castrate and then bid the geldings be fruitful. The movies and stories we love are gateways to see ourselves and God in new ways. We discover something essential about our hearts on the journey to understand our own story. Every great story borrows its power from a larger story, the story that's written on our hearts and woven into the fabric of our very being. Something inside has been awakened. I can no longer be who I was before. But if I am no longer who I was, who am I to be? They had other commitments and other careers. So that style of dancing I would be, is lap dancing a style? Let's play some football! But on the field. Not bad, Falco. They were out to prove. They belong to each other. Keanu Reeves, Gene Hackman. That's going to leave a mark. The Replacements. Look for it on video cassette and DVD. Hello and welcome to Men at the Movies podcast. Uh, my name is Paul McDonald, and joining me over the internet, over Zoom, is Britt Mooney. And Britt, what's up? This is, uh, I love the movie that the trailer ended with. Available on DVD and VHS. VHS, yeah. Not a new movie that we're talking about today. No, but it, it is one of those movies, as we were talking about earlier, that as a guy, anytime it comes on TV or anytime I see it, I want to watch it. Oh, and, yeah. and, and there are, I know several guys who that's how they are. They know this movie by heart. They quote lines from it. And they love this movie. And so this is definitely a guy movie, man. This is this is up there with those guy movies you just, everybody watches. Yeah, and we're recording this uh, in the middle of football season, uh, the fall. The, the It's not quite winter. It's not, you know, it's, it's football season. It's Thanksgiving and football, turkey and all that stuff. I don't know when this is going to air, but <laughs> it'll play. Um. So I did want to do a little context for the movie for guys who may not have seen it. It's like 20 years old. It came out in 2000. So Mm -hmm. you probably have seen it at least on TV or TNT or TBS or USA or something. Yeah. Basically the setting is players strike in a professional football league. They go on strike. And then the owner of the Washington team brings in replacement players to play in this scenario. I think four, five games. I can't remember. But the weird thing is, this is loosely based on a real story. Super loosely based. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very loosely based. <laughs> but in uh, 87, there was an NFL player strike. And uh, the Washington, their name at that time was the Washington Redskins. Um, they actually won all three of their games to make the playoffs and would go on to win the Super Bowl that year. And in the last game of the season, just like in the movie... Yeah, uh, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about the movie. Um, the replacement players played their last game against Dallas, just like in the movie, and the Dallas players had crossed the picket line. So they they had their full 
like regular professional team, not replacement players, and the replacement players won. I'm not sure it happened the way that the movie showed. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, just as an aside, uh, the Washington team is now called the football team. I don't know if you know this, but the Washington Redskins are now the Washington football team because they didn't decide soon enough what to rename their team, you know, because the Redskins has been all controversial and everything. So can we start some sort of, you know, lobbying campaign to rename the Washington, the Sentinels? Can we just do that? Oh, that'd be so good. Cause I know Ron Rivera, their head coach has talked about wanting to have some sort of military reference. So the Sentinels would be perfect. Although they might have to like pay some, um, Royalties to uh, pay some royalties to Keanu Reeves. (laughs) (laughs) So, so Britt, we're we're to this point. You're like, okay, you pick this movie. Rotten Tomatoes scored it like a forty percent. Wow! But then there was a cinema score that had like over nine out of ten. Like people, audience members had nine out of ten, which I think, as we talked about in the, it's like guys who watch this movie. Yeah, it's nine out of ten. Yeah. So. Uh, why did we pick this movie? Well, this is one of those movies that whenever it comes on, I get sucked in. And I think any guy that I know, it's the same way. Any football loving guy, any sports loving guy, like we all get sucked into this movie. And, and I thought it was an interesting choice to kind of kick it off here because the replacements wouldn't be a movie people would normally think, well, let's find some (laughs) deep truth in, you know, and yet there are some really poignant moments within the story. And, and I think part of this podcast, the purpose of this podcast is to show that we love stories for more than gimmick reasons. We don't just love stories because they have good gimmicks in them. Although this movie has some gimmicks in it, right? Right. It's got some silly stuff and funny little parts and, and movies have that. And those are great, but we love movies. We come back to movies. We get sucked into movies because of some sort of emotional universal aspect to it. Something that draws us in and, and inspires us to some degree, even though, you know, there might be scantily clad women and, and dumb football jokes and, you know, whatever people puking (laughs) on the field or whatever it might be. They're really funny moments, but, uh, but there's something underlying that keeps us coming back. And so I, I just thought it would be, was a really intriguing first choice for us to do. Yeah. For me, like I, I watched it last night again and there's there's moments in the movie where, as guys like to say, oh, it gets a little dusty in here. You know, you get a little choked up. And, you know, you expect that with a football movie like Brian Song or Rudy or something like that. Remember the Titans, maybe. Yeah, there you go. Like, movies that really, they're, they're, they are obviously deep and have a message. The replacements isn't quite as obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they weren't trying did, to have a message. That wasn't that right. wasn't in the trailer, you know. <laughs> no, that was definitely not in the trailer. <laughs> and I think, you know, we were talking beforehand and I was like, "Oh, we got to we got to save some of it for the actual recording because you know, the movie may be the setting may be about football. The football on there is choppy. It's not, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't always even follow the rules of football. 
<laughs> it's a movie, you know, let it go. You know, we, we talk about don't be literal with the truths that we may see or how you see God in these movies and stuff because it's you can drive yourself nuts. And so for me, I look at this movie and you're like, oh, it's about this guy. He comes and it is this. But it's for me, um, and I wrote about it back uh, in 2016. I got to give a shout out for the, the website for uncommon.org. And it's U-N-C-O-M-M-E-N, uncommon.org. Uh, it was a men's group and, and they asked me to write for them. And this is what came out in October of 2016. But it's the movie about the transformation of Shane's heart. You know, he goes from, you know, this guy who's cleaning barnacles off of other people's boats to walking out with a greater sense of uh, identity and security. Yeah. The, the coach really, (laughs) the coach really puts it the, the whole movie in one statement there's, and, and this is the kind of thing for me as a writer, for those of you who are listening, you don't know, I write novels, I write fiction, I study story. This is something I've been doing for a long time. So my kids even get annoyed with me because I'll stop it and I'll go, <laughs> what just happened? And, and I'll, and I'll like teach them about story. Like what, what's, what's the writer doing? Why, why did, why did Spielberg introduce Marion this way in, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark? Like, why would he do that? Like, what is the purpose here? And so what does that tell us about the character and all this kind of stuff? I, I don't do it all the time, but every now and then I'll do it. And, so for me, I look for those moments in a movie where they literally tell me what the movie's about. They literally, movies will do this all the time because movies are an hour and a half, two hours long. They don't have words and words and words like a novel. So a movie will sometimes just literally tell you what the what it's all about. And at one point, uh, the coach who has tried to dredge up these nobodies for to be replacements uh, during the strike. He's talking with Shane Falco, who is the quarterback. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie, by the way, we're going to be spoiling it. So <laughs> definitely watch it. But I think we've picked these movies, I think also because a lot of people have seen them, yeah. uh, but Shane Falco is the kind of washed up quarterback. He had a, he was supposedly talented, but then was a failure at the end of his college career and didn't you know do much afterwards. And Shane Falco looks at his coach who had handpicked him, you know, went out to his boat, like personally invited him. He says, why me? Hey, coach, can I ask you a question? Yeah, shoot. Why me? I look at you and I see two men. The man you are, the man you ought to be. Someday those two will meet. Should make for a hell of a football player. Yep, and that's it. That that is that is the story of the movie. The story of the movie is someone sees in Shane Falco two different people. And I think for most men, like if we don't know why do guys keep coming back to this movie, I think for most men, we feel this. We feel this way. Mm-hmm. For most men, we feel there's a man that I am and there's a man that I could be. And at some point we want those two people to meet. And when those two people meet, Mm 
that's an amazing thing to, to experience. That's an amazing thing to uh, ascribe to, to try to, to try to achieve. And the fact that someone would believe in him would see that that's an incredibly intimate moment. If you really think of, I know this is men's movies, but that's, (laughs) that's a very, that's a very kind of intimate emotional moment where he says, I see two people and, and it's such a call to purpose. It's such a call to adventure. It's such a call that I think really resonates with people that even though this movie has its dumb, not dumb, they're not, I mean, it's silly and a dumb for, it'll for, make you, you laugh, know, comedic, you know, for comedic sake, yeah. uh, it has those moments and even some cheesy and formulaic moments, you know, it's got some of those moments. It's not a perfect movie. Like as a writer, I'm going, well, that was kind of you know <laughs> lazy, but but that statement tells me it was a it was a very well written statement because that statement now tells me what the whole movie is about and and the very first scene if you remember and i had forgotten this was the first scene the very first scene we see Shane Falco and he goes underwater and he finds his old trophy he finds a football that's his old trophy and when no one else is looking and he's underwater and he leaves you know, it's all symbolic, right? And he's he leaves behind the the oxygen mask, and he leaves behind everything else, and no one sees him. And he's playing like he's like he's in the last seconds of a football game underwater with this former trophy, all American trophy that he has. Like, like there was something within him that did want this, even though he he told nobody. But the coach saw it in him. He saw that he had this potential, and I think everybody want someone in their life that's like that, that sees that potential in them, that calls it out, that just says, hey, I see that you can be so much more than this. I see who you are and I see who you can be. And I want to see those two people meet. I want to see those two people meet. And um, and I think those are the kind of people that inspire us as men. Those are kind of mentors that inspire us, coaches, leaders, teachers, uh, pastors, whoever they might be in our lives. Um, those are the kind of people that inspire us. And I, and I think that's the key reason why pe- why men keep coming back to this movie is because the whole movie is centered around that theme, even though even when we don't know it, even when it's stupid and silly, the whole movie is around that theme. And you know, again, we're not talking literally, but it's sort of a picture of the gospel because here's Shane. He, he, everybody, everybody he meets every time his name is brought up. Oh, he was a disaster in the sugar bowl. Oh, right. you mean, and, and there's even, um, he's remembered for his worst moments. Exactly. Very good. Footsteps Falco. They must really be getting dust. Hey, Falco. You're not even a has-been. You're a never was. <laughs> and we're like that, you know, because all of us have had those moments. All of yes. us. You know, and that's in the Bible. You know, we've all sinned and fallen short. You know, we're all failures um, in regards to keeping the law. And yet, and I think in, in the movie in a lot of ways, again, not perfectly, but uh, Jimmy McGinty is really, in a lot of ways, the picture of the Holy Spirit. You know, yeah. pursuing, guiding, um, seeing the potential um, of, like you said, the, this guy who failed. He's fallen out. And he's like, no, you can be more. You can be, yeah. you know, in a lot of ways. I mean, very father figure-ish yeah. of, 
you're my son almost. You can, you know, put him under his wing. I want to see who you can be. And I think that yeah. that God looks at us that way of it's not a, hey, I want a bunch of, you know, Mr. Rogers robots walking around. I want you to be who I created you to be. Yeah. I mean, think about the prodigal son. I'm just thinking about this now. I didn't think about this last night when I was making notes, but think about the prodigal son. The prodigal son returns home. The prodigal son has basically told his father, I wish you were dead. That's what happens when you ask for the inheritance before your father's died. You're basically saying, I wish you were dead just so I could have all your money. Like this is one of the worst things you could possibly say. And the father is waiting at the window. And the father does not define him by his worst moments. The father defines him and calls him into and is happy, throws a party when he gets to see that his son can be who he really wanted him to be the whole time, which is a part of the household, which is to have relationship and all of those things. And I think you're right. Uh, How many of us feel whether literally or legitimately or not, we feel that people define us by our worst moments. We feel defined by our failures. Uh, This is a men's podcast. And the number one fear for most men, this is a gross generalization, but the number one fear is failure. That's the number one fear for most men. And this movie goes into that too. Uh, The number one fear for men is failure. So this movie just hits home these so poignant, important parts of, of who men are, that our fear is failure. Our, our fear is that we will, that we'll never overcome those sort of things. And, and then obviously, you know, the movie takes these guys beyond those limitations. Yeah. And I think before even the failure, and we're going to hit that fear. Um, that's a, one of my favorite scenes um, and quotes from the movie, but it starts with our definitions. Um, of what success is versus failing. You know what separates the winners from the losers, kid? The score. Getting back up on that horse after you've been kicked in the teeth. That's good. You know, we look at what, what is it that makes us success? What is it that makes us valuable? And it's, you know, like Shane says, the score. And that's how we do it. You know, it could be your bank account. It could be your kids are well-behaved. It could be you know, how many people listen to your podcast, <laughs> right? Right. And, and we don't measure up to this standard that honestly we could never measure up to, which again, it's the gospel. There's a standard. We don't meet it. And so we just check out and God comes and enters in and says, your definition of success is all jacked up. Yeah. Like your story of the prodigal son, you know what success is coming home. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, think about what a colossal failure the prodigal son was. And, you know, to your point, I think that's something that a lot of people like talk about a message that we need to get out to people during this time, but also the young uh, that are having such a problem with anxiety and, and lack of resilience uh, that the coach's definition of success is when you get kicked off the horse, you get back on. And most of us, when we get kicked off the horse, we, we have an excuse. Well, I'm not very good at that, or I failed, or I tried it and it didn't work. And, and you're going to fail in the beginning, like whatever you do, you're going to fail. And 
Uh, I think and, Jesus and I said think that, something like that. In this life, you're going to get kicked in the teeth. You're going to get kicked <laughs> in the teeth. But don't, but don't worry. I've overcome right. the world. Right. Like you, you, you have to have resilience. And, and resilience is a big part of Jesus's message. Like he who endures to the end will be yeah. saved. Like there's, there's got to be a resilience as a part of our walk with Christ as a part of whatever we do. If you're want, even if you want to be, you want to have a happy marriage, you want to have a long marriage, there's going to be hard times. You're going to have to be resilient. Uh, anything that's worth anything, there's, it's going to take resilience. And that's why I, yeah, I, I didn't write that down that note, but I love that line too, where he redefines for Shane what success really is. And which is again, the whole theme of the movie. Um, by the way, I love the misfit aspect of of the movie misfits is a is a very popular very generic but also very popular thing with movies because we all feel like misfits so that's a very universal thing but the fact that that the coach is defined by failure right he was fired by this guy he had this great job in dallas but he stood up for what was right and lost like and and then they keep gathering around them these misfits, these failures, these, these, you know, one guy's in a jail, you know, like they just keep putting, pulling around them people who are all misfits and nobodies. And there's a guy who's a great athlete, but he can't even catch a Twinkie, you know, like (laughs) they, they keep showing that these guys are, are misfits and they're, they're rejects and they're nobodies. They have talent, but not talent enough or whatever it might be. And yet these are not the guys you would choose, right, to have as a, in a professional football league. And yet these are the guys that pull it together. But I think that's also a picture of the gospel because, you know, uh, Paul says, you know, God didn't choose you because you were cool. You know, like how many <laughs> of you were wise or smart or rich or like God chose you because he loves you. Yeah. And he saw something in you that you didn't see in yourself. Uh, that's my paraphrase. Uh, but that's the Brit that's, translation. That's the Brit translation. <laughs> but I, I, just, I just love that, that each one of these guys were defined by their failures that each one of them was. Right. And th- th- those are the kind of people that, that were attracted to this and they had to deal with, and they had to somehow make a team, you know? Well, and that's exactly right. But I, I wrote down that to me, that's a picture of the body of Christ alone. Like, oh, he's super fast, but he can't catch. Or even more interesting, the two offensive linemen of, they were really good when they played together. But if you took them and separated them, they both sucked. (laughs) And, you know, these things don't work in a silo. You know, the players didn't play well in a silo. They were out of football for a variety of reasons. You had a tight end who's deaf. Um, I love that. But he's an amazing athlete and catches the ball and, um, and the, even in the beginning, he's, he, when he goes over who he wants to to recruit, he's like, these are guys who are in football that I've been keeping my eye on for the last right? few years. I love that. And it reminds me of Joseph. I've been thinking a lot about Joseph these days. Um, but here he is. God gives him these dreams to be that, he, you know, people are going to bow. His brothers will bow before him. And he's not the oldest. He's not the patriarch. He's going to be, you know, he's just one of 12. And his brothers don't like it, so they think of killing him. They're like, "Mm, that seems a bit harsh. We'll just put him in a pit and sell him to the first caravan that comes by. He goes, is a successful slave, 
however that is, I don't know what that looks like, but then gets accused of a crime he didn't commit. Sounds like the A-team. And uh, and gets in jail, helps some guys out interpret their dreams, and then gets forgotten. And all the while, God's like, hey, this guy Joseph, I've been keeping my eye on him for the last few years. And so then all that preparation is ready for him to take the second, uh, the position of second in command there in, in Egypt when to prepare for the famine and then during the famine. Yeah, like how many of us feel forgotten by people? How many of us feel overlooked? We all feel this way. We all feel like we're failures to some degree, uh, or maybe we quit too soon, or we don't have what it takes. Or We all feel these insecurities, and we all feel overlooked. And, you know, I I just did a podcast with a friend of mine, a minister in Atlanta. His name is Scott Free, and he's amazing. Uh, but he told the story about when he got saved, you know, he wasn't looking for God and, you know, he had this guy help him move and and they were in the U-Haul together and the guy just keeps talking about Jesus. And, he, you know, Scott's like, oh my God, I can't wait till we get where we're going so I can just stop. <laughs> but in, they, they stopped at a stop sign, stoplight, and he said God gave him a vision of from the time he was 12. So at the time he was like 24, 25 when, when God gave him this vision in the U-Haul at a stoplight, but from the time he was 12 and he first went to church with a friend just for fun or whatever. And, and then several times over his, his life where God says, I've been pursuing you the whole time. And that just broke him that God, even though he didn't know, like, just like these guys in the movie, they didn't know that this coach was, keeping up with them that, you know, some, you know, Welsh guy, you know, who could kick it, you know, and was smoking and out of shape, but he could kick it, you know, well, whoever they were like, even though they had their faults and and they had some serious flaws, like this guy was still keeping up with them and, and saw potential in them. Like if I, if they could just get put in the right position, they would shine. And I think everybody wants to feel that. And I think, God, we want to feel that because that's who God is. God is watching us. God is looking at us with love and saying, man, if they would just get in the right mindset, if they would just have faith, if they would just, you know, if I could find, find, if I could put them in the right place where they were created to be, they would shine. And I, I just think that inspired, again, these are little moments in the movie that maybe people don't really see when they're just watching it and having fun. But I think that these are reasons why people keep coming back to it. Yeah. And if you look at that, there's a reason that we lose hope. There's a reason that we kind of go that other way. Um, and to me, the Martell character, he's the the highly paid uh, successful in the football stand. You know, he's won a couple, couple Super Bowls. He makes millions of dollars a year. I mean, he is just, the voice of the devil every time he shows up. Um, like literally. And, uh, and I think, you know, you, we talk about, you know, this desire to be seen, desire to be, be that, that hoped for that person, that man that we want to be or should be. And we can't do it in ourselves. And so we feel like we just keep trying, you know, we're working as bouncers in a club or we're, you know, working at a bar or in prison. And 
what happens is we when we get a little bit of hope, a little bit of maybe God has more for me, we hear this voice. I think it's terrible what they do to you guys. You know, they make you believe that you're better than you really are, and then they just pull the rug right out from under you. You know, the cruelest thing that they can give guys like you, Shane, is hope. That was a big sigh that Shane had right there. Yeah, man. Like what I wrote down uh, during that part was that how common it is, common it is, sorry, that when we are in our darkest moments, because in that moment in the film, this is just basic storytelling, right? You, you put the character in his darkest moment before he has his best victory right. opportunity, right? This is just... That's the gospel too, by the way. Uh, but uh, all that to say is he's, he's in his darkest moment. And in our darkest moments, that's when the lies come. Yep. That's when the lies come. And that's what I put is that during his darkest moment, he's been, he's been replaced. The replacement has been replaced. Oh, nice. Like, like, you know, <laughs> how, how he just makes him feel like crap and, 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 and it's heartbreaking. And he's, he was finally pulling the team together and, he was becoming the man he thought he could be. And then he it stalls out with this, with this event, with Martel coming back, crossing the, uh, the picket line, not picket line, but whatever the, the strike, uh, the strike line. And, and that's when he hears the lies. Yeah. That's when he hears the, you're, she's, she's too good for you. You yep. should just, just give her up. Just, you know, all the, all the things that he thought he could finally taste and be a part of, that's when, uh, that's when the lies come when he's in his darkest moments. And I, and I think that's true for all of us. The devil knows, man, when we are in our darkest moments, he's paying attention. The devil pays attention too. God pays attention, but guess who else pays attention? We have an enemy that pays attention and he will lie to us in those moments. You're not good enough. See, I told you, you were never, you know, you were never good enough. Like all those lies you, you, you believed at the beginning are true. And, uh, and you were stupid to hope, you know, that's right. awful. To, you know, all of that stuff. We all have those moments, man. And, uh, and again, it's such a universal moment. And even, even though it's kind of cheesily written, like Martel is like, if any guy actually was that way, somebody would really kick his butt. Like that, that, that dude, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, dude, that dude just would deserve a beat down by anybody. Um, but, but again, for the, for the sake of the movie, it was, uh, I, I, I agree. It was really powerful. And there were, I actually thought that was one of the well-written lines is he's like, you're a sinking ship. Yeah. Don't drag her down. And like, well, he lives on a boat. Yeah. And like, that was actually a clever thing. They may or may not have intentionally said that, <laughs> but and then what happens is he agrees with it. He goes exactly. to the bar. He's like, hey, guys, you're going to be – you've got the best quarterback in town. And they all think, like, he's trying to pump him up. He's like, no, Martell, he's the best quarterback, and I'm just a nobody. Yeah. And then he doesn't show up for his date with Annabelle, and he agrees. And he's not – he's thinking he's not enough because he's not a quarterback. Whereas – in the re, sort of the redemption moment of the movie where he shows up at halftime of the last game and Martell's yelling at him, 
you're nothing, you know, I'm a two-time Super Bowl winner. I got this, I got that. You're nothing but a replacement quarterback. And at that moment, he's like, I'm okay with that. Yeah. And that's when, that's when I, transformation happens. It's like, yeah, I'm okay with that. Whatever, it's not up to me. You know, you're nothing, you know, and you're nothing but a son of God. <laughs> okay. If, if that means, you know, not doing this job or not being hugely successful or not this or not that, we measure ourselves by what we're not instead of what we are. Yeah. And then even we just keep trying. And even in the re- sort of the religious theme, oh, you know, the fruit of the spirit, if I was just more loving, you, you know, we work really hard to be more loving or more peaceful or more joyful because we think it's up to us. And it's just like, no, just go be the person that I called you, that I created you, that I know that you can be. Yeah. Well, and I think as a, on a leadership level, kind of some of the things you're talking about that really resonated with me as well is two things. Number one, it took a misfit to lead misfits. Like he had to accept that he was one of them. Like Martel didn't see himself as one of them. Right. He saw himself as somebody different. And I think better than you. I think if we're ever going to lead people, we have to see ourselves as one of them. This is, this is Christmas. I don't know when this episode is going to come out, but this is Christmas. (laughs) Jesus, there is no further distance between any two people than us and God. There's no further distance. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we're closer. We're literally closer to the devil than we are to God. I mean, and as far as like the distance between us, but God says, no, I'm going to come be one of you. Like he lit, that's what he literally does when he becomes a, a child in a cave in Bethlehem is he's coming to, to identify with us. And so, and so the fact you're right, that he's humble, he identifies, he looks around, he says, no, I am one of them. I'm one of them. And, and, and so that's, that's just great leadership. And that's important for us to know is if we're, because all men are created to be leaders somewhere, somehow, and that's great leadership is to identify with those that you are leading, not that you're above them or below them, but you, you are one of them, then you're going to do this together. Uh, and then the other thing that I think is really important is, is they keep coming, they kind of, they don't, they don't keep coming back to it, but they say it a few times where they say, or the coach says, look, you're being paid to play. Yeah. And he says, the men you're replacing forgot that a long time ago. Do you have that quote? Yeah. It's, it's, it's so great. Because as of today, you're all professional football players. You're being paid to play. And I want you to remember that because the men whose places you've taken forgot that a long time ago. Yeah. I, I, so... So let me just go here for just a second. This is what Jesus says to people in the Gospels. He's like, this is the call of the Gospel. When he, when he, the call of the kingdom, by the way, it was the Gospel of the kingdom. The call in the Gospel of the kingdom was, you can be part of the revolution that's going to change the world. You think that it's these professional guys, the priests and the scribes and the Pharisees, you think but they forgot what it was really about a long time ago. 
he now I'm those again, that's the Brit Mooney paraphrase, but that's basically what he's saying. He's saying, you, you priests, and uh, there's some really harsh things he says to the religious leaders of his day because he's like, look, you're not even letting people into the kingdom. This is your whole job. Mm. And, 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 and he's trying to see, help people to see the joy. Like there's joy in saying, Hey, come with me and change the world. And instead of joy, these other guys have it's professional and, and they put barriers in front of people and, and all this stuff. And so we see this in the movie where, or as men, this is really important for us. Whatever we do, we have to look at it as an opportunity. Like, oh, I get to do this today. I get to, I mean, how many people, let's say we're married. Like how many people would love to be married mm. and have a wonderful wife? And, and instead of complaining about it, we say, I get to love my wife today. I get to love my kids today. I get to whatever you're called to for that day or that moment He's saying, don't forget, this is a great opportunity for you. This is, this is a gift. And you're, I mean, think about that. You're getting paid to play. And I, I, I have to think about that sometimes as a published author now, because sometimes it's hard work. And, and then I have to remind myself, I'm like, man, some people would give their left arm to be yeah. published. Like I've been published to have the opportunities that I've, that I have. And yes, it's hard work, but at least I can, appreciate and be thankful, right? Thanksgiving. Yeah. And that's where we are. But, but I just, I love that part of that theme of the movie because I think that's universal for people too. How many of us sports fans, especially for sports fans, how many of us sports fans look at guys who are making millions of dollars a year and we're like, what the heck are you complaining about? Like, just get over it. You have a model for a wife, you got all the money in the world and you get to do the one thing I'm dreaming about doing. I would you know, like, most guys would like, oh my gosh, they would poop themselves just to like play one game or one, you know, and just that's, to come and out that's, on the field with 80,000 fans screaming. Right. And, and you know, like the, the guy who was like, I just want to score one touchdown. That's all I want. Yeah. And then I can, so that joy of the game that's in the movie as well. That's, that's a big thing for most sports movies, but that joy of the game is another thing that I think is universal and, and it's an ideal that a lot of us have about sports. Like we just like playing football in the backyard and these guys are getting paid to do it, you know, yeah. you know um, millions of dollars, like what a dream. And so uh, I think that was another kind of thing as a leader and as a man that, that we can take away from this movie and kind of apply in different areas. And I think that takes us to, um, it's a really interesting thought um, if you look at it and say, well, like you said, who doesn't want that? I want, you know, I want to have more joy in my life. I want to have more freedom or happiness or peace or contentment. I want that, but there's something that keeps us away from it. And part of that is, you know, we're at the, we're recording this towards the end of 2020. It's been a rough year. Um, yeah. you know, we've had a global pandemic. We've got political, uh, outrage and divisiveness throughout the country of, you know, in America. And there's a lot, been a lot of loss, you know, not even counting, you know, the, the, the death toll from the pandemic or, um, but even, Hey, people have lost their jobs. People have lost weddings and funerals and sports seasons and school and there's vacations and trips with family and, there's been a lot of loss and because in our way to not 
not to not deal with it, but just sort of make it through the day, we say, oh, it's not that big a deal. It's going to be okay. Or we focus on, yeah, you know, well, yeah, I mean, it's been a hard year, but, you know, God is good and everything's going to be okay. God works all things for my good. And you're like, well, you're in a rough spot right now. And I think a lot of times, um, and this quote, this is one of my favorite scenes from the movie where uh, the coach played by Gene Hackman is like, you know, we've got a leadership, we had leadership issues. Now that's addressed. We have to work on trust. And as men, a lot of times when you get asked about what are your fears, what are your, what are, you know, what have you been disappointed with? We sort of respond pretty shallow. Who wants to start? Fears. Let's talk about it. <clears throat> fears. Fears. <clears throat> um. <clears throat> I am. I am, I'm scared of spiders, coach. <laughs> spiders. And then another guy's like bees. And he's like, no, what are you afraid of on the field? You mean like spiders on the field? Yeah. And, you know, that's sort of how we do it because we're like, we don't want to enter into those real areas of deep heartedness and what will end up Shane is going to come out. And and as you see, again, Shane's growth as a leader, as you mentioned earlier, he, he cares more about his teammates than he does himself. Mm-hmm. And part of being a leader is also being transparent and vulnerable, which are yeah. two words as men. We don't really like that much. Oh uh, yeah. So yeah, he says a real man admits his fears and the leader does first. And and I, I like what you said, because a lot of times we do, we try to give surface level answers or jokes, and that's what they were doing. And and the fact that they get into the real fears is, I think, amazing. You, you got that quote? Yeah. You got, oh, you got yeah. It, this right? was my favorite. This is probably my my favorite quote from the movie, because it resonates with me so much. Because what Shane says, his fear is quicksand. And there's like, whoa, we're, you know. And so he's explaining what quicksand means. You're playing. And you think everything is going fine. But then one thing goes wrong. And then another. And another. And you try to fight back. But the harder you fight, the deeper you sink. Till you can't move. You can't breathe. Because you're in over your head. Like quicksand. And I don't know about you guys out there listening. I, I I'm I've been there, right? You you do one thing, you know, you're you're out on a nice date with your wife or your girlfriend, and she says something that kind of hurts a little bit, and you kind of respond, and then next thing, you know, what was you know a big celebration of your anniversary becomes one of the biggest fights of your life, and and it can happen with your kids, it can happen to work, and the harder you try to get out of it the deeper it gets and the worse it gets. Yeah. It it was a very poignant moment because again, if we look at the coach as sort of a God type figure, I mean, I I think he has his own redemption arc in the, in the story as well, because I think we can learn a lot about leadership uh, from him, from the coach. We can learn a lot about how we can be mentors to others uh, as well. But but if we look at him as a type of God figure, then he's not going to accept. God will not accept your pat answers to him. Mm. He knows there's something else underneath. 
all of that joking, all of the religion, all of the stuff we try to do to try to cover up the real fears. And, and I don't know if you have more of the clip. Do you got have the rest of the clip Mm-mm. on there? Where, or, so what, what I love about that, what I love about the rest of the clip of, the, of that scene is because Shane opens up first. And like you're saying, every man, that's universal. Every man has been there. Yeah. I'm trying to fix it. I'm trying to work. And that's where we lose hope because we get in, our, in over our head. We feel like a failure. And then we get defined by those failures, right? Because that's really what Shane is describing is when he lost by 40 points in the sugar bowl and everyone keeps reminding him, oh yeah, you're the guy who, you know, yeah. not the they guy remember who remember that game. They remember that. And he says that, right? He's like, everybody remembers that game. Didn't they have anything um, better to do that day? <laughs> <laughs> but but the fact that he opens up first about this fear, which again, it's, it's such good. It, it actually is good writing because it goes back to the central theme of the movie. There's two men I see in you, Shane, the one you are and the one I know you can be. And he's trying to reconcile this guy he's been defined as with and say, that's my fear. And then as the other guys start to share their fears, I don't want to go back to working at the mini mart. I don't want to go back to being a bodyguard. They, they, they all say with this great new opportunity, they all say, I don't want to go back to being who I was. And that's a real fear for a lot of guys that I think a lot of guys find themselves in these situations and they feel stuck. They feel overwhelmed and they're, and they think this isn't, this wasn't who I thought I was going to be when I was 16 years old or whatever, or 12, or I thought I was going to be an astronaut or whatever, you know, you know, but, (laughs) but we have those sort of dreams and we're told when we're young, you can be anything you want to be. And then we find out we're working at a mini mart just to pay bills or something. And, and, and I think that then we're told by people that God has more for you. And we're thinking, what, you know, like, it's so it's hard true. Right. We want it to be true. And then we start to work at it. And, but we have to, like you're saying, we have to admit those fears. We have to admit those fears uh, to God, obviously, but also what's powerful about that scene is that they were admitting these fears to one another. This helped them get closer. This helped them say, look, no, I'm seriously afraid I'm going to ruin my, like this, they're not saying this, but like we would say this, right. I'm, I'm seriously afraid I'm going to ruin my marriage. I'm seriously afraid I'm going to ruin my kids. I'm going to, I'm seriously afraid that, right. These are real fears. And, and when we come together, what, what the coach says at the end is he says something like, well, now that we've admitted them now together, he says, we're going to share these things and overcome it together. Um, and, and, and and that was a beautiful moment to me because he's like, okay, now we're all, we, we all, we're just being honest, but now let's move forward together. Let's inspire each other, you know, to go forward because here's the thing. When you share those fears, like if I shared with you, like I, you know, I'm really afraid I'm going to mess up my marriage or something. You go, dude, you have an awesome marriage or something, right? Like we would encourage each other. That's what guys do. Guys would go, no, man, I don't see that in you at all. Uh, you know, unless it's the liar Martell guy, but when you're in the, you know, <laughs> you're when, when you're, shit, man, I don't know why she's been really this long. <laughs> right. No, no, go back to the mini mark. Right. But those are the two different kind of voices that we yeah. hear. And we want to hear the voice that says, no, you're better than the mini. Now, again, somebody might be working at the mini mart and they're thinking I'm putting them down. I'm not trying to put anybody down. I'm just saying in the context of the movie, mm-hmm. they're saying, no, you're, you are, you don't have to stay there. 
that's not where you have to stay. And I think you, you are capable of more. You're not too old. You're not too slow. You're not too whatever. There's always a two that we think about ourselves and you're not too anything. You can move forward. You can be more. And we want those people in our life. You know, I said this recently about marriage. I said, I said, you, if you're going to marry somebody, especially as, as a man, if you're going to marry a woman, marry the woman that looks at you and sees who you can be. And I don't mean like that you can wash the dishes and do like household stuff, although that's important. We should do those things. But that she sees, she believes in the man that you are and that and that you can be. And she was going to endeavor to encourage you because that's it's a cheesy part of the movie. But when he comes back in and it's halftime and he comes back in, he goes straight to Annabelle because he he missed the date. He kisses her and he says, I'm sorry. And this this actually gets me emotional as cheesy as it is. He says, I'm sorry. That's the first thing he says. And, And as men, we have to just that's part of being a man is we take responsibility for what we've done. That's part of being a man. He took responsibility. He said, I'm sorry. He kisses her and he says, you give me strength before he does anything else. He goes straight up to her. And I think that is that, that like, I didn't think about it until last night, but I said, what, I just thought, what a powerful moment that he goes up to this person who has been inspiring him and she doesn't know she's been inspiring him, but she, he says, you give me strength. And I think that was such a powerful moment that a lot of us as guys, can look at and see that, you know, I know I have a wife who gives me strength like that, who believes in me, encourages me when I'm down on myself. She goes, no, 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 That's not right. You know, you're listening to the wrong voice. You're listening to the wrong voice. That's a great way to put it. My wife says that to me. (laughs) Well, and it's interesting because when you look back as men, our tendency is when we're feeling down, we look to the woman to make us feel like a man. And so in that scenario, you know, you go back and you look, well, you know, Shane, he got benched. I'm not sure why he's suddenly off the team because Martell's back. I was like, they don't have backup quarterbacks in this game, but whatever. Exactly. I thought the same thing. <laughs> so confusing. But, you know, he, and then Martell is like, you know, you get the rug pulled out for you. Stay away. She's, you're a sinking ship. You don't bring her down with you. And then he goes and tells his team he's leaving. And the next thing you see is Annabelle sitting there as the candles drip down and and Shane's sitting on the the car thinking. And I actually, I'm like, it's actually a good thing that he ditched her in that scenario. Because my tendency when when, when I'm feeling weak, when I'm feeling vulnerable, is to go to my wife to revalidate me or re-secure me and say, no, 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 you're a man, you can do it. But he doesn't. He goes back, he goes to his boat, he watches the game, and it's at halftime when the the coach is walking off. They're down 17 nothing. They're like, what do you need, coach? And he said, heart. Miles and miles of heart. And what he had told, the last thing he had told Shane when he left is, you you have heart. That's the one, that's the one thing you have that Martel doesn't have. That's what he tells him. Yeah. Yeah. You got something Martel never has. You have heart. And then he says, you've got to, he needs miles and miles of heart. And it's that moment that he realizes his strength 
again, if you look at the coach as the voice of the Holy Spirit, that's where our strength comes from. It's the truth of who we are. You know, we are sons of God. These things are true that God has pursued us, that, you know, the stuff in the Bible is true and about us that's true. We are saints, even when we don't feel like it, even when we blow it, because everything's already been erased. Everything's already been forgiven. Yep. And it's in that moment that he then can go to her, not as a uh, sort of a vacuum cleaner needing to suck validation and security out of her, but saying, I'm sorry, and you give me strength. And I, I love the other part where she had, uh, you know, after he got beat up and they got in a bar fight and he's all bruised and she has some sort of wild yam cream for his shoulder <laughs> where she soothes yeah, his injuries. Because how often do, do women do that for, you know, both externally and internally, you know? I, you know, you have a rough day and she's there to lift you up and just sort of shows the 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 biblical relationship of that. You want a partner. Yeah. Which but is what about the only say? female in the whole movie that is appropriate. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. Well, what does she say in that moment? What she says in that moment is really important because again, these lines show the theme and, and the emotional core of the movie. She says, you're the first player I remember. She, Cause she says what you did last night, was either stupid or brave or something. I don't know because, you know, he fought with the guys and that's what, that's what yeah. kind of brought them together. And she says, you're the first player I remember who seems to care more about his teammates than he does himself. We've been missing that for a long time. That's been missing. That's what's been missing from our football team is that you're, and be, you know, cause she had the rule. I don't date players, right? She had right. the, she had the boundaries and they, they were good boundaries, right? Because she's like, these guys are jerks. Like, well, of course I'm not going to date. Um, well, and, and the interesting thing, like you say that and it's like, yeah, because that's their identity. Their identity is I'm a football player. I'm a quarterback. And, and that's who wants to date somebody who's a caricature. Yeah, exactly. So the fact that she says that you're the first First player I remember. That's what she says. And she's been a cheerleader for who knows how long, but she's like, you're the first player I remember who seems to care more about his teammates than he does himself. So uh, just a, a couple a couple of the great quotes, right? Towards the end, they're in the huddle, and he says, pain heals. You got it? Oh, of course. It's the best. I know you're tired. I know you're hurting. And I wish I could say something that was classy and inspirational. But that just wouldn't be our style. Pain heals. Chicks dig scars. Glory lasts forever. Right on, Shane. Right on, man. Right on. Right on, Shane. So let, let's look at those statements because we could kind of, we could just kind of say those are cheesy statements. But I really think about those statements because that's one of those lines that all of my friends, if they're watching the movie, they're going to post it on Facebook. They're going to say, uh, pain heals. Chicks dig scars, glory lasts forever. They're, they're, they're going to post that quote if they're watching the movie. And they're going to tell everybody in Facebook land that this is what they're watching. Um, that's one of the quotes they're going to use. But pain heals. We're so afraid of pain. Yeah. We're so afraid of, we, we don't want to share our fears because it's going to hurt. Like we, you know. You don't want to get I, I remember, kicked in the teeth. 
We don't want to get kicked in the teeth. We don't, we don't want to get kicked off the horse. Uh, you know, just a quick story about this is a couple of weeks ago, I went to the chiropractor because I have some plantar fasciitis kind of stuff in my heel. And my chiropractor does this thing where he digs into my heel with this metal mm-hmm. instrument, right? To kind of break up mm-hmm. some, whatever the, the tension or buildup is or whatever that's going on in there. And it hurts like crap, man. I mean, it hurts like the Dickens. And I am, I have a high tolerance for pain. At least people tell me I do. And I am like about to scream. It's hurting so bad. And I was telling my daughter about this, you know, we were at dinner and I was talking about, and my, my 11 year old daughter looks at me like I am crazy. And she goes, why would you let him do that to you? I said, because it felt so much better afterwards. I know how much better it's going to feel. So he says pain heals. Then he says chicks dig scars. What? Here's what scars tell people. You've been through something and you came out the other side. And that gives character. Not perfection. Not everything is, you know, perfect on the outside. Like scars means you've been through something and at least survived. And, and that shows character. And what, what women really like is character. Like, yes, women can like a handsome guy just like anybody. But women want, long-term, want somebody with character. And so sc- scars give character. And he says, glory lasts forever. And he's like, when you really try hard at something, because at the end, I don't know if you have that quote, but where he says um, they'd been part of something great. But what they didn't know was that their lives would be changed forever because they had been part of something great. And greatness, no matter how brief, stays with a man. Every athlete dreams of a second chance. These men lived it. Yeah, you had the cheesy music and everything. Uh, but... But, you know, greatness stays with a man. And, and here's something that I've learned, uh, you know, because as, as a pastor, as someone who has dealt with people in the military, I deal with people in brokenness and homelessness and addiction. I deal with people all the time. And here's something I see with a lot of people, but definitely with men, is most men who make bad choices have never had a taste of being a part of something great. And and, and that is something that you really have to encourage and work on like the coach does in the movie. He forgives them. He, he gives them grace. He gives them space. They're smoking and then they're doing all this stuff. And he just kind of gives them grace. Uh, yeah, he's deaf, but you're going to have to deal with that. Like, you know, he gives grace in all these situations because his ultimate goal is that they can be a part of something great. They can be a part of winning. And and a lot, a lot of times young people, because of the situation that they're in, because of hard times, they've never been taught or been a part of winning at anything. And so they don't know what it's like to win. They don't know what it takes to win. And sometimes you have to be extra patient with those people. But it's worth it because one of my favorite moments of the movie, and there are no quotes for it, is just the look on Gene Hackman's face when he finally sees the two men meet. That's what's happening at the end of the movie when you see Gene Hackman's face and he has such complete joy on his face and satisfaction and contentment because he finally sees, 
he finally sees what he wanted to see the whole movie, which was, I want to see those two guys meet because that guy is going to be awesome. And, um, and, and so that's pretty much all I have to say about that. (laughs) But, uh, there you go. No. Well, I think that's it is, um, we get so caught up in our little stories of trying to make a big splash in our little pond of, you know, whether it's making some money or having kids that look right or what the world thinks is a successful marriage or a nice house or a good yard. We have ways of a small story. And my kids, my boys are both in high school. And I was like, you're going to see young men who are trying to live in a small story. Their version of success is how many girls they can sleep with, how much they can drink on the weekends, drugs, even how good of grades they can get, how successful they are. And that is going back to that winners and losers. That's their definition of winners. And God comes, he's like, I'm inviting you to a bigger story. Yeah. Like there's a global story. It's a cosmic battle for good and evil. And I'm inviting you to be a part of it. I'm inviting you to be a part of the, of heaven, (laughs) of heaven taking over the earth and going back to that, that glory lasts forever. Yeah. I mean, that's what Paul says. You know, I consider what I'm going through the pains of this world to be fleeting in light of the glory that's to come. That's right. And then a bit of greatness, you know, as I love that athletes yearn for a second chance. And that's, Again, we, as we've talked about, the gospel is all through this movie. It really is. It's like, yeah, we know that we've fallen short. And as people, you know, young people, old people, you know, we're like, we know there's more to this life than we're experiencing. And we just want a second chance because we're like, this can't be it. If there's a God, I'm falling short of whatever rules he wants to get me into heaven. And, and the invitation is you get a second chance through the the cross, through the blood, through the redemption of Jesus Christ. And it's like, oh, and then here comes the hope. But we're afraid. And and one of the things that I've learned through through my years of therapy is if you numb the pain, you numb the joy. It's like a, you know, it, it's like when you turn up the volume of, on your stereo, you can't turn one speaker up louder than the other. They're tied together. Yeah. And that's why, you know, that, that fear thing is you admit your fear you and you offer it to God. You give him your life and then the joy comes. Yeah. You give him everything and he gives you everything. Yeah. And, and, and you have a community of men around you, which, which I think, Again, I, I don't want to get too off. Not, it's not off topic, but I think that's a really important part of that scene is that we, we, we need a community of men around us. A, a lot of times we, we do think that we can only be emotional with women, but I think men long for uh, a community of men around them that they can also connect with on an emotional level. Uh, but uh, so a, a couple of things with what you're talking about, you know, something that's good news in this movie that is true is we've already said it, but I I just think it bears repeating is God is looking for misfits. That's who God is actually looking. God's not looking for the people who think they have it all together. He doesn't want them. 
because the people who think they have it all together have to first admit they're actually misfits. That's what has to happen. He's got to convince them of that first. If you, if you feel like you're a misfit, you're already a step ahead. We feel a step behind, but here's, here's the truth is we are already a step ahead in the kingdom. If we feel like losers and misfits and quitters, that's the actual truth. Jesus on the night of his birth, heaven was opened up for guys on the night shift. <laughs> Think of if we, if you've ever been in a job and then you knew guys on the night shift, these are not the coolest dudes. These are not the coolest guys. These are not the guys you want to sit in front in the lobby and greet people when they come in. Right. That's why they're on the night shift. And, <laughs> but, but heaven opened up for these shepherds who were on the night shift and that message alone, heaven didn't open up for Herod. Heaven didn't open up for the high priest. Heaven didn't open up for any of those people. Heaven opened up for the guys on the night shift, the misfits, the, the rejects, the outcasts, the exiles, that's who he, and, and that's the message of hope of this movie to me, is that if you're a misfit, you can have hope. You have a place. And the other thing that I think is really important is at one point, uh, the coach corrects uh, Falco, and he's like, you, I, I, the play was for you to throw it. And he goes, well, they were blitzing. He goes, no, 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 no. A winner. The winner always wants the ball in his hands at the end of the game. The winner will always want his ball. Won't want the ball. His, uh, the win, winner, <laughs> winners want the ball in their hands when the game is on the line. That's what he says. And here's the thing for, for every guy out there. Yes. If you, if you feel like a misfit and a quitter and a loser, you're already a step ahead. And God is saying to you, you should want the ball in your hands. You should want to get involved. God wants you to get involved, not somebody else, not make excuses about why it's got to be somebody else. But there are certain situations that we are all called to, that we are all involved in, and he wants you to get involved. He, there is an urgency to that. That if you don't get involved, we're not. You, you, there's no winning for anybody. The whole team, like everyone's relying on you to step up and be that person that God sees in you. And and whether that's whether that's having a hard conversation with your kids or your wife. I mean, that could look like a whole lot of different things. And acting peaceful when you want to kick somebody's butt. I mean, like there could be a whole lot of different situations for that. But I just wanted to leave with that message of hope that number one, if you're a misfit, you're already a step ahead. Number two, God wants you involved. He wants you involved. Uh, and there's an urgency to that. And that's going to wrap up our first movie discussion. This was uh, Britt Mooney and Paul McDonald talking about the, uh, the football classic, the replacements. I hope you enjoyed our conversation and hope you join us next time here on the men at the movies podcast. <laughs>